Welcome back to Makes Perfect Sex. I am so glad you're here. Today in the studio, I'm thrilled to have Bethany Caudill, who is a doctoral student in the PsyD program here at the University of Hartford. Bethany is a fascinating person for a lot of reasons. In addition to being a graduate student, she is also a combat veteran with eight years of military service and six years of professional experience working as an intelligence agent with the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of the Army, the Office of Naval Intelligence, as well as the FBI. Wow, lots of cool experience here that we'll dig into. One of the main reasons I wanted to get Bethany on the show was to talk about her doctoral dissertation entitled Incel Ideology, a Thematic Analysis for Mental Health Clinicians. We're going to deep dive into her research, but first let me welcome you to Makes Perfect Sex, Bethany. Hi, good morning, Dr. Carroll. Thank you so much for welcoming me and having me on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm so glad. And we've we've been trying to get you on here, and so I'm so glad we're actually sitting here talking today. But, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that many of our listeners have heard of the concept of incels, um, but maybe don't understand what that means. So let me ask you, what are incels? Oh, I love this. It seems like a really straightforward question, but there are actually several answers, and I'll try to keep it fairly succinct for all of us. If you're looking at a technical definition, an incel would be a person who is sexually celibate, meaning they're not having sex. When we're talking about incels specifically, we're thinking more of an individual who basically wants to have sex but is not currently having sex. And that's often going to be because of maybe interpersonal reasons, maybe that individual's lack of self-esteem, that individual feels like they're someone who can't have sex for a multitude of reasons. And I think something else to clarify here would be there's a difference between someone choosing to identify as an incel and then someone choosing to kind of be an active member of an incel community. The former could be applied to someone who technically meets the criteria for the term, but maybe they've never even heard of incels. Maybe one of the listeners might technically meet this definition, but this is all news to them. Um, Versus the latter, i.e. someone who's a part of an online incel community, that's gonna be someone who recognizes that label and they're seeking solace or self-help from others who can help them relate to the situation. Excellent, excellent. You mentioned online communities. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that. What, where, where are these communities? How does someone find them? And I, and how are you using that kind of in your research? Yeah. So, honestly, like a lot of other things that are really popular in the world, like the internet is kind of the bustling hub for this situation and this community. A lot of it started on Reddit, as most things do. Um, so there are popular subreddits, which are just kind of sub forums within the website Reddit, like. R, the red pill, is a big one. Um, There used to be R incels or brain cells. But something key here is that these communities, whether intentionally or not, they often kind of lead to a lot of misogynistic language and language that ends up getting them banned or quarantined from websites. So when you see that, you're seeing online communities that are still thriving, but they're not really meeting the Reddit website's definition of this is appropriate and this is kosher and these are things that other people should be looking at. So that's one of the base things that really makes inceldom kind of unique and quirky and often like considered socially deviant as well. Mm. Now, red pill, blue pill, can you explain that? Because I know that's something that comes up a lot in your dissertation research. So give the listeners an idea of what that is. Yeah, I know we were actually just talking about this. So from the late 90s, early 2000s movie, The Matrix, starring none other than Keanu Reeves, uh, the main character named Neo, he's a computer hacker, and he's 
kind of going through life and experiencing a lot of monotony, he ends up in the situation where he meets a group of people and someone presents him with a literal red pill in one hand and a blue pill in another. And Morpheus, the other character, says, you know, if you take this red pill, I'm going to open your eyes to the way the world really is. But you can never go back to the way you're currently living your life. Like, it's going to change everything for you. Alternatively, if you take this blue pill, you'll forget any of this ever happened, and you'll go back to living life exactly as you were. Eventually in the movie, spoiler alert for everybody, Neo does take the red pill, and then his life instantly changes in that he sees most of his life was a lie, and the things he'd been told about society are also lies. If we take this and apply it to like incel ideology, people who subscribe to red pill or incel ideology believe that, hey, I see the truth. I see the way society really works and the way that like feminism is a problem. I see the way that the way men are treated is a problem. And I'm aware of it and you all aren't. And you all really need to wake up and also take the red pill like the rest of us. So that's kind of how it gets applied to wow. incel dumb. Right, right. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the research itself. How did you decide that this was an area of research that you were interested in? Well, for those who are less familiar with doctoral programs in general, regardless of the background, um, at some point to demonstrate a certain level of academic abilities as well as research abilities um, and just kind of scholarly qualities in general, a dissertation is required and that's kind of a, a thesis or this big pinnacle of your entire status as a student. For me, I knew I didn't want to do anything really STEM heavy, um, and I knew that I wanted to work on a population that interested me. As you mentioned kind of in the beginning of the episode, I do have a fairly unique background when it comes to counterterrorism, counterintelligence, insurgencies, um, and I also have a master's degree in forensic psychology, so that's kind of working with the blending of the legal system and the field of psychology. And I thought to myself, what can I do of all of these skills that I've acquired, and how do I combine that with helping a clinical population? And I was thinking to myself and thinking to myself, and of course I'm browsing the internet as I'm doing this, and I'm reminded about, oh, incels exist. And really thinking of, you know, here's how I've always thought of incels, here's how I envision what life could be like as an incel, and here's how I actually want to take my clinical experience, as limited as it is, and really use it to help a population that gets either bad press or really just kind of gets swept under the rug, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's almost normalizing the the concept of conversations around sex. Tell me more. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons you invited me to be on your podcast talking about what are the discrepancies between the way sex is described and the way sex is really discussed and then how maybe it should be discussed in society that would be better for everyone top-down. Inceldom isn't talked about. If you Google it right now, you're going to get a couple of The Guardian articles, you're going to get New York Times, you're going to get news articles about, honestly, episodes of mass violence where individuals who have identified as incels have like harmed a lot of people, often with shooting, occasionally with uh, like vehicular attacks as well in Canada and such. But I think if we continue to let incels just be this this concept or this group that we never talk about. And if we continue letting sex in this aspect remain something that is never really spoken about, we're going to end up seeing an increase and a rise in these episodes of mass violence, and we're not going to see a breaking away from this pattern and the cyclical nature. 
Yeah, very interesting because what I usually teach as a sexuality expert is, you know, looking at intimacy repertoires, looking at role repertoires and how we educate children about sex. And, and one of the things that popped into my mind this morning as I was thinking about this, it's, it's like that concept of the bases. Like when, you, when you're, when you're going to become a sexual person, you get to first base and then second base and third base, and then you get a home run. And there's some distorted thinking around this. Um, is that something you've found in looking at the research? Yeah, absolutely. I think with inceldom and these just online misogynistic attitudes, I think honestly it comes from a place of feeling like the person in question isn't doing it right. They're not one of everyone else. They hear about everyone else getting to first base and second base and hooking up with this chick and this, that, and the other, but they keep thinking to themselves, why isn't it happening to me? I try really hard. I, I feel like I'm really nice to Honestly, it's usually, and we didn't talk about this earlier, but incels are usually cis-het white men. And then in terms of age, it can be anywhere from medium teenagers all the way up to 40s, 50s, 60s, etc. But there are these men who are thinking to themselves, I'm nice to women. I do what I've always been told to do. I've always been told I'm this nice guy, but women don't want to sleep with me. They don't want to date me, and they don't seem romantically interested in me. So I think... Yeah, as you were saying, this concept aligns perfectly with what you're talking about, about these societal norms and expectations. Yeah, interesting. Thank you for sharing the demographics, too. I think that's really interesting when you're looking at the research. You know, I've done a lot of cross-cultural research, and one thing that's coming up for me is my experience being in Amsterdam and the amount of value that they put on sexual expression and sexual intimacy. In fact, they have governmental agencies that if you aren't getting laid if you're not having sex because of some, you know, uh, it could be mental, physical, uh, any type of problem, that the government will provide you a sexual partner that is paid for by the government. And that concept just blows my mind because that wouldn't happen here. But, but as I talk about that and kind of the value around sexual intimacy, we are living in a sex negative culture that doesn't value, one, conversations about sex or even talking about masturbation or self-pleasure or any of those other things. Does that resonate with any of your research? It resonates perfectly. And honestly, I think what you're bringing up with Amsterdam and the fact that I think that shows how, at least in other cultures and other frameworks, how important sexual intimacy is. And I know in a lot of your work, you talk about sex isn't just about physicality. It's about that intimate connection and what that means for a human and what people are really striving for. I know that that was especially mentioned in the most recent version of your textbook. So no, I think you're right on the mark with that, especially in relation to incels. Yeah, it's it's very unfortunate. I think of Amsterdam and some of those European countries as being much more sex positive and open to that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's switch gears a little bit. What do you think your research is contributing to the literature on inceldom? Yeah, so as I mentioned, if, you know, if, if our listeners decided, you know, as long as they're doing it appropriately and not driving or anything, if someone picks up their phone and, and Googles incels, again, you're going to see a lot of those articles about mass violence or about how incels are these, these really undesirable deviant individuals. I think to provide perspective in terms of like mass violence and such, there are over 1.5 million subscribers to some of the most popular incel forums, like to date. So when we're trying to think of incels as these, they're those people that I don't see, they maybe they, they reside in someone's basement, maybe they're just really unattractive. Whatever people are thinking of right now, in actuality, incels are, are they're just everyday people. They're people who for whatever reason have not had sexual success. So what my research is trying to do is is A, as you said, normalize conversations about inceldom and sexual intimacy, but I also want to talk about incels in the capacity of people who need help, people who need help understanding, like, here's how you can bridge that connection and feel intimately connected to others as opposed to taking the extremist method and maybe engaging in mass violence or engaging in self-harm or engaging in like some really harsh online misogyny as well. And I'm kind of doing that by taking information directly from these forums and looking at what people are posting as opposed to looking at what's been written about them previously. I really want to go back to the source and give academia a fresh new start when it comes to looking at inceldom from a psychological perspective. Yeah, I love that. There's so much here that we could dig into, and I think you're exactly right that when people think off the top of their head about what is an incel, the first thing that comes up are these isolated gamers or school shooters or really misogynistic people, and I, I think it's important that you clarify that you know these, these are everyday people that somehow this sexual script has gotten kind of confused or dis organized. As you think about our listeners here today, what do you think would be the main takeaway for them? Yeah, I think, as I've kind of hinted at, incels are, well, A, the incel problem, quote unquote, it's something that affects all of us, especially if you're looking at it from a feminist perspective, where you might be thinking, well, that's a men's issue. That's a, a small group of men who have this issue. Why should I care? Or how does it really affect me? I think looking at it from a feminist perspective, a very popular quote is, there's no such thing as women's issues. There's no such things as men's issues. They're just issues. So this is something that affects all of us and talking about the incorporation of sex conversations into our everyday lives. This is something that we need to be talking about like, to children and teenagers and young adults and people across the age demographics. And while I know for some people that can be a scary concept, talking to a child or a teenager, Dr. Carroll, I know with you, let's have the conversation as early as possible. Let's really get exactly. people engaged and normalize all of this. So I really want listeners to take away, like this is something that goes along with sex positive education and sex positive conversations. Talking about 
What happens if things don't go the way you want to? What happens if you're not getting to first and second base? That doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. That just means that maybe we need to take a different approach. Yeah, this is so interesting. This is where our worlds collide because I think that is one of my life goals is trying to increase sex positivity and normalize conversations around sexuality. Well, thanks for being here today, Bethany, and for sharing your research. I've been in this field for many, many years, and I've learned more in the last hour uh, than I knew before about Intel. So thank you so much, and best of luck to you in finishing up your dissertation. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Makes Perfect Sex today. Come back next week to learn more. And as always, a big shout-out to Professor Don Ennis at the U Heart Podcast Studio. I'm Dr. Janelle Carroll. Thank you.